Welcome to the Healthcare Plus podcast, hosted by Quint Studer and Dan Collard. I'm Nicole Webb Bodie, partner at Healthcare Plus Solutions Group. Thank you for joining us as we bring together leaders and changemakers from across the healthcare industry. In each high-impact segment, you'll hear about the latest challenges organizations are facing and learn how guests are rewiring solutions to drive real change. Plus, you'll walk away from each episode with practical tools, techniques, and best practices to implement in your own role and in your organization. For more information on your host or to listen to recent episodes of the podcast, please visit www.healthcareplussg.com podcast. Now, here's your host, Quint Studer, who will introduce you to our next guest. Welcome to Healthcare Plus Podcast. This is Quint Studer, and I am get to be a host of this along with my good friend and colleague, Dan Collard. Um, today, my special guest is the president and CEO of AUPHA, Dan Gentry. Dan and I um, go back. I love Dan Gentry. I'm a huge fan of Dan Gentry. And I think for many, many reasons, just because he's a wonderful human being. But also we have some things in common as we both come from a teaching background. Of course, he's got a PhD in teaching, but I do have a master's in the science of education. I started out as a teacher. And one of my stories is when I got into healthcare administration, because I was a high school teacher, I almost didn't want people to know I had a teaching background. And it wasn't until I started utilizing my teaching background in healthcare administration to think what you need to do is teach leadership that I think I had somewhat some success. So, Dan, for our listeners, why don't you tell them a little bit about AUPHA, what it stands for, and then we'll talk a little more in deeper detail on the impact that it, that it has. Dan? Thanks, Quint. Uh, first, thanks so much, Quint, for having me. And I love you too, Quint. And uh, I love the relationship that we've had for uh, what almost three decades now. A uh, great mentor and teacher for me. AUPHA, everyone, is the Association of University Programs and Health Administration, one of the 19 health professions education uh, associations. 262 undergraduate, master's, and doctoral programs, mostly in North America. We have a few programs in Europe and Asia. And we're the academy. So we do everything we can at AUPHA to help our faculty, program directors, the staff, and all the universities be the best teachers, educators, uh, leaders that they can possibly be. We're here for them so that they can be there for their uh, students and it's so that they can produce really talented uh, healthcare managers and healthcare executives for the future. I have seen Dan, and so I love that, you know, 260 plus universities, colleges, or so that offer some type of program in healthcare administration. Um, I'm sure there's those are bachelor programs, master programs, or PhD programs. Um, what what a great variety. So how how is if I'm a faculty member, I'm a you know teacher, faculty member of one of these classes, how does AUPHA, how how do they help me be a better teacher? Uh, in lots of ways, Quint. I think one of the most important ways is the relationships that you can form through AUPHA with colleagues who teach in the areas that you teach. So we have 14 different faculty forums. So in almost any area that a faculty member would teach in, such as strategy or public and population health, management and leadership, um, 
analytics. Um, we've got a group uh, for you to belong to. Those also align really well with what's called the body of knowledge. We call it the BOK. Uh, we never want to prescribe competencies to our programs for their students because our programs are spread, spread across a great variety of schools and colleges, business, um, public health, uh, public policy, and public administration, and health sciences. But we've got the body of knowledge and it's updated every other year now, and it's 25 different domains. So if someone ha is teaching for the first time, although they've got an education in that area, that body of knowledge can be very helpful in terms of putting together a syllabus. If you're a faculty member who's well-seasoned, but you're updating your course, you can go to the body of knowledge to see what's happened in the last two years. The same thing with regard to our uh, environmental scan and trends report. The newest one of those will come out at the end of this January. We do that every other uh, year as well. And there are two sections there. One is health industry. We want to keep updated, help people stay fresh on what's going on. What are the major challenges right now? What does the environment look like? What are the trends out there? And then a section on higher education as well, because both of those industries are challenged right now. We need transformation. And so it's great that we're able to put out a new report every two years to help the faculty in those areas. What you mentioned to me and um I'm going to get to this later, so let me forget is, you know, we work with many organizations where 90% of people in healthcare leadership don't have a degree. They don't have a degree in healthcare leadership. They're a great phlebotomist who now becomes supervisor of the phlebotomist. They're a wonderful nurse who's now the nurse manager. Then someday they'll be maybe the director of nursing and so on. Um, you have somebody who's a good in account. Um, in accounting, and they've become the leader in accounting. But I want to get back to, because so many things that you talk about, they could utilize too. I mean, almost everything you've talked about. Now, they probably aren't interested in getting a degree per se, but to access some of your knowledge is, is really wonderful. So when you look at students, and again, I'm fortunate enough to get close to many of your programs, um, talk about the type of person you're finding that's attracted to healthcare administration, who maybe is a little, not the bachelors, you know, maybe the person who is in high school or decides they want to go into healthcare administration. What, what are you finding the type of person that's attracted to healthcare today? So I would say first and foremost, something that you talk about all the time and that um, you emphasize in one of your most recent books in the calling, why healthcare is so special. Um, I don't think anyone necessarily goes into healthcare to make a lot of money. There are other ways to do that in terms of going into business. Uh, but I think that people feel a special calling. I do think that people come into it in different ways at different times of their lives. I think a lot of young people start out by thinking about being a physician or being a nurse, because those are the things we hear about and see when we're little kids. We don't necessarily learn about being uh, a healthcare administrator, a healthcare manager. But I think that once, uh, uh, young people are in undergraduate uh, institutions, and we've got 107 undergraduate programs uh, across the U.S. and Canada for AUPHA. They get more and more interested. It's one of the five or six fastest growing undergraduate major majors, along with public health, which is fastly growing as well. I think the other thing that um, that happens is that people that are already in careers, business careers, you know, th they may get sort of burned out on being in organizations that don't have this compelling cause. 
this uh, ability, this uh, philosophy around improving the human condition. And that's what we're all about in healthcare. You know, we're sort of a little further up the chain at AEPHA with regard to helping faculty to train great students to go out and lead incredible healthcare organizations that provide wonderful care to individuals and families, but still we exponentially have the opportunity to have this uh, incredible impact. And so I think that a lot of folks um, who are in careers in their 20s, 30s may at some point decide, I want to have a a calling that feels like I'm having a a larger impact. Uh, And I think that's one of the things that may be our saving grace with regard to um, the, the approaching demographic cliff. Uh, in the next couple of years, you know, the, the percentage of students graduating from high school will fall by 15% because the birth rate dropped significantly in 2007-8 when we had that housing and economic crisis. And the for us in healthcare and in higher education, I think that um, folks that are already working but want to come back and finish a degree or get an additional degree um, may you know, help to to to, to help to help us to to fill the workforce because uh, we're certainly not going to be able to do it with the young people coming out of high school and with undergraduate right now. No, we have to. In fact, I was at a again. I get to go to a lot of board retreats, and one of the board retreats they showed ages of nurses. And you talk about a cliff. I mean, this is a cliff. And when you look at number one, the amount of people entering nursing, the amount of person staying nursing, it gets real quick that we're not going to have nurses. And that's why we did that study with the ANA and the AONL that you can find actually on our website on nursing care model and how that works. And sorry to bring that up. Uh, I happen to be lucky enough to be at Methodist hospitals out of Gary, Indiana, a couple of weeks ago. And Matt Doyle is the president there. And Matt Doyle, you know, you got some Chicago roots. He was at Sinai at one time. So he knows what safety net hospitals are all about. And, and he's in Gary with Methodist Hospitals, which is, you know, considers a, a safety net in many, many ways, serving underserved populations. And um, at the end of, end of the day, he got up and gave one of the best CEO talks I'd ever heard, Dan. Emotionally, his heart, why he's there, why he came back, because he'd been there one time as the CFO. And what I didn't know about Mark is or Matt, what I didn't know about Matt was his mother was a nurse. And he talked about him. he couldn't remember when his mom wasn't a nurse. And even periodically, when she'd get called in back then, she'd bring him along until she could figure out what to do with Matt because she's got to work. And he spent a lot of time in a hospital. Um, you know, at 15, he was like an orderly or 16. But he said he realized that he just wasn't a clinician, but he still wanted to be in healthcare. So he fought went throughout and he's now the president CEO of Methodist uh, hospitals. But man, it was, I, I was videotaping it because when you, you get done listening to Matt and if you don't know his background, you just think Harry is a suit, you know, in, in the CEO and you have no idea how his heart and his authenticity were, were all there. So with, with the students and, and I'm sure you're seeing it, um, how does a faculty member, I mean, stay, how do they stay up to, up to, you know, there's so many changes from value-based purchasing, population health, private equity coming in so strong. I mean, it's not, I'm sure people thought it was complex 20 years ago, but I don't think it's anything like it is, is today. How does it, you know, I know physicians have a very difficult time staying abreast with all the research medically. There's actually companies that help 
sort of create cliff notes. How does a faculty, how do you at AUPHA, because I think this is one of your great roles, help faculty members keep up so they can keep up with their students? Absolutely. Great question, Quint. I want to, I want to, before we move on, you, you hit the nail on the head with one other thing, Quint. You were talking about what people need with regard to their competence and not everybody needs to go back and get a degree. This is the biggest change that we're going to see in higher education. And this next environmental scan and trends report that we have coming out at the end of January is going to emphasize this. We've been too rigid. Uh, we've, it's been too much status quo for you know, 70, 80 years with regard to every degree needs to be a four-year degree, every master's degree needs to be a two-year degree, all doctoral degrees need to be four-year degrees. We need to meet people where they are and give them the education and training they need and not try to force on them a particular model with regard to whatever degree. I think the certificate programs, the credentialing, the badging are going to become more and more popular and universities have got to be one of the places that people uh, that people can go. Uh, you're, you're exactly right with regard to the question about um, faculty being challenged uh, to keep up. Um, th- there's such a, a quick uh, pace of change. And I think that the the, the pandemic, um, you know, speeded that up some, both with regard to healthcare uh, and higher education. Uh, again, I think that one of the best things that, um, that we have to offer at AUPHA is this um, community of people that can share, you know, when you're able to share what you've learned, what you've tried, what you've read recently. And so those faculty forums that I've talked about, they're on a, a, a live real-time community. It's called the AUPHA Network. Uh, I'm subscribed to all of them. Um, but you can decide I'm going to get in real time anything anyone posts this minute, or I'm going to get it at the end of the day, or I'm going to get it at the end of the week in a summary. And so all of those communities have years worth of folders, resources, um, case studies, uh, supplemental readings um, that people can can take advantage of. Uh, one of the reasons that we implemented two years ago, this new environmental scan and trends report, is that we felt like uh, all of the faculty across the uh, North America needed better information about what was happening both in health industry and in um, higher education as well. And so what we did in 2020, 2021 is a series of surveys where we asked faculty what they needed. Just like in healthcare, when you go out to talk to people on the front line, you've got to go and ask people, what are you concerned about? What information do you need? How can we help you? And in 2020, uh, as the pandemic was rolling out, we did uh, over 70 uh, Zoom sessions with individual programs, groups of programs, undergraduate, masters, and doctoral programs to ask them how we could help. And so a lot of what we're doing in 2020 through 2024 is based on asking that question. I love what you said about certification. Years ago, when I was at Holy Cross Hospital, I had a fellow named Don Dean. And Don Dean was on our, he was a radiology technologist, and he was on our measurement team. And he was so, so competent. So I went to promote Don. And somebody said to me, well, you know, he doesn't have a bachelor's degree. And I said, he does something really quite as good. He gets great results. And, and we, you know, and that again, if, if a degree helps you become more competent and better on the job, that's wonderful. But I love the fact that you're showing flexibility and, and certain things, too. And many people might start at a certification. They go a little bit further. They get their feet in the water. They feel they can do it. They get over the hump of anxiety and fear. And can I still do this? So um, as you APHA, if I'm listening to this 
is it just, do I have to be a faculty member at a university to become a member of AUPHA? Is there such a thing as a member of AUPHA? Absolutely. So uh, as you know, we like to talk about being the big tent. We're all the undergraduate master's and doctoral programs. And uh, because we're at the program level, we're across almost any kind of school that you can think of. Uh, Mostly the three top three are business schools, College of Health Sciences or health professions and schools of public health, but public administration, public policy, nursing and medicine. We've got programs in all those places. So if you are a faculty member, a staff member, an adjunct faculty member, an executive in residence at any of our 262 programs, you're already an AUPHA member. You may not know it, but if you're listening to Quinn's podcast and you say, I already have an adjunct position at one of those schools, just talk to that person, uh, email us, and we'll make sure that uh, you get on the list for your university with regard to having access to everything that we offer. For anyone who doesn't have any kind of relationship already with one of our uh, university programs, we have an individual membership that people can pay for. I think it's $175 a year. And for that, you get all of the resources that anyone would get if they were in a program. Yeah. Most of our listeners will be in that category. And that's why I brought that up because I am. And I will tell you, I think if you want to learn about statistics, analytics, population health, telehealth, almost every topic that a leader in healthcare is facing with right now, there's some universities, you have some information on it. And I think, you know, again, one of the big challenges today in healthcare, 92% of people, according to our study, that, you know, valid, reliable study, 92% of people in healthcare leadership want skill building and career development, and 84% of frontline staffs. But let's just look at the 92%. Then you ask the question, do you feel you're getting it? And the answer is usually about half of that. And it doesn't mean it's maybe not offered. Sometimes it's how it's communicated. But I also think we've got something we're creating called individual development plans. So Dan Gentry works for me. And he comes to me and he wants to improve a skill set. It doesn't mean it has to just be something that I offer in my healthcare system. It could be something about, well, gee, look at AUPHA. Look at what they're offering. Maybe you want to take advantage of some of their programmings, some of their programs, things like that. Because I, I just think there, if, if everybody that's actively in healthcare, all those th- hundreds of thousands of leaders that weren't fortunate enough to go through healthcare administration, they got that job because they were good on the job. But, you know, they want to learn and they want to be independent. They want a different different skill set. You know, we've just been looking at how to how to read data better. So, so for example, Dan, and this is really going off tangent, is employee engagement's a big deal right now. It's always been a big deal. Most places measure employee engagement. But when you start digging into the data, do you really understand the data to talk about what's the correlation between engagement and turnover? Is it been an age? gender, race, you've got to really be more sophisticated. And again, I get your forums. I, I think there's an answer to almost every problem out there in healthcare. That, uh, part of the solution sits with it, knowing what's available through a, a, AUPHA. I know that's probably a lot, but you can see I'm sort of a big yes. fan of AUPHA. I'll give you a good example of what's available to anyone, whether they're a member or not. So one of our major initiatives in, in the current strategic plan, Quint, was uh, the Art of Teaching Institute powered by AUPHA. So AUPHA has always been the place 
um, for me since 1995, where I went to the meetings, I was online to try to be, be a better and better teacher. And that is something that you and I have in common. Um, we're doing that more intentionally than we've ever done it before. With the launch last January of the Art of Teaching Institute, eight different courses, uh, everything from something for uh, someone who's just getting started, uh, like someone coming out of a doctoral program where they didn't learn how to teach. They, they may know everything there is to know about health services research and health policy, but they weren't taught how to teach. To someone who's been teaching for 30 years like I have that just wants to get better, maybe wants to use a new methodology like case-based learning, problem-based learning. Those courses are open to everyone. Uh, now, if you're an AUPHA member, it's a better price. And, you'll, and someone would find out quickly that if they're going to take more than one course, they may as well go ahead and join. And then they get the member price that everybody else gets but i think even if you're even if you're not teaching right now the 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 art of teaching as you know quint because you started off as a teacher it leads to all sorts of different opportunities i mean it makes you more aware of others it makes you more self-aware it 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 makes you a better communicator it 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 leads to, to great mentoring and coaching all of the things that you've excelled in over your career that transferred from you being a teacher in the beginning to you being uh, a really excellent healthcare leader and then a coach to others who are looking to be better healthcare leaders. Well, I will say, I think we're all teachers. And I think, you know, Mark Clement, the president and CEO at TriHealth, had made it real clear to anyone that works in his organization, if you can't teach and develop those that you lead, you can't right. be here anymore because you've got to be able to teach and develop. You just can't throw them to an OD department or an HR department. We're all mentors. And I, I think this magic of precepting and being able, the art of teaching is really important. And for those of you working currently in healthcare, I bet you your tuition reimbursement would probably even cover membership of something like this. So, Talk about the books. You guys are really do a lot of recognizing authors, um, recognizing books, making them available to the students. I want to talk about that. Then I, I want to talk. I just going. I'm going to ask you to highlight some faculty members that are out there that you've honored in the past year because you also do some wonderful awards to honor some of these faculty. Talk about your book program. Then we're going to go to some of your award and recognition programs. Absolutely. Um, the uh, AUPHA uh, Annual Book Award for Students is the Bugby Falk uh, Award, uh, George Bugby and Isidore Falk, Luminaries in Healthcare. Um, and it was uh, in honor of them that the book uh, award was established uh, more than 40 years ago. Um, we recognize uh, anywhere from 40 to 60 students. Our programs get to decide who the books are going to. They can use any criteria they want. Um, and we reach out to authors and to publishing companies. And, Quinn, I think that in the last probably five or six years, all of your books uh, that have come out have been uh, on the Bugby Falk uh, titles list. And we're really appreciative of you uh, and um, of your publishing group as well. And, and many, many colleagues that you've introduced me to have had books uh, on the list also. So we announced the titles uh, usually in August, early September. Um, we uh, draw names of programs. And so after about four or five years, every AUPHA university member program has had an opportunity to name a student to receive the books. And we uh, put this on a lot of social media channels as well. I love books. Uh, I read now both on paper and digitally, but I still love holding uh, books in my hands. And 
I think, Quint, you've seen uh, on LinkedIn the students when they get their Bugby Fault books and they'll stack them up and they they make posts about how excited they are. You know, they're they're sitting with their their eight or nine or ten books, and uh, you know, it may be the um, um, uh, the calling you know from several years ago uh, or rewiring excellence that you and Dan have come out with recently. Um, but it, it's just been very, very exciting to do. Uh, there was a hiatus for the Bugby Falk Student Book Award uh, for about uh, a half a dozen years before I came in as president and CEO of AUPHA. And it was something that uh, my the first president and CEO of AUPHA, Gary Fileman, wanted relaunched. And he's like, Dan, if you'll put some resources toward this, I'll give you some resources to put toward this. And it turned out, Quint, that Folks like you, authors, contribute books. And so we didn't need a big budget. It was recognizing excellent books in healthcare management, healthcare leadership, uh, books more generally uh, in public health, uh, in leadership and management more generally. And it's just been a huge success and something that I think the authors and the publishers get excited about Um and, uh, and and we, we've got relationships with publishing companies as well. I should say we've got two corporate partners that we work with, one uh, that you work with now, Health Administration Press at ACHE, and then Jones and Bartlett Learning is also one. And they've been very generous in terms of always contributing four or five or six books each year to the cause. Yeah. Well, I think, Dan, I feel I've been good. I know so many authors that send me their books. Like I got a book just today from Chris Como, the anatomy of leadership, what leadership and what do leaders do? And I've known Chris for years. This is his first book. And I tend to feel I'm a connector. I might tell them a little bit about AUPHA. Then they get to know you. They send you a book. And it's really a win-win. Well, the other thing you do, and I think for our listeners, many of them have gone through programs. They might think of that faculty members that made a difference in their life. Um, And they, again, many of the listeners are not students not faculty. I hope we get them with a big name like you on here. But many of them are healthcare practitioners, but they probably sit back and they remember when they went to one of the colleges and they got their degree and a faculty member that made a huge impact on them. So I think they could probably even contact you about some faculty member they're wondering about. Why don't you talk about how you recognize faculty members at the UPHA? Because I know it means quite a quite a bit to them. I got a nice note from someone from um, MUSC yesterday, one of the past winners. Um, anyway, why don't you just talk well, about I, yeah, I, I know your listeners can't see me smiling. I'm smiling so big my face hurts. So this is um, this is probably the, the thing that brings me the most joy is recognizing all the colleagues across AUPHA who do tremendous work with regard to leadership and academia uh, and the teaching and mentoring and advising they do, Quint. And uh, we have two longstanding awards, the Filerman Prize, named after Gary Filerman, which honors someone in senior leadership uh, for their body of work with regard to leadership and teaching and and education. Uh, I can think of several people honored recently. Your, our good friend, Lynn Freeman at George Washington University, who's also the editor of our journal, the Journal of Health Administration Education, just uh, so compassionate about students, so loving of students, so interested in seeing students and alumni succeed. Christy Harris-Lamack at UAB uh, two years ago, uh, the winner of the Fileman Prize, uh, someone who transformed, along with her colleagues, the UAB program, uh, uh, it was already a great program, but now it's just incredibly diverse, wonderfully inclusive, and their students and their alumni are 
um, excelling. We have a mid-career award called the Thompson Prize. Uh, Professor Tommy Thompson, John D. Thompson, who was at Yale for decades, um, also sort of the complete academic and younger groups of faculty that are sort of mid-career, but who so show so much promise. And uh, pa- Patrick Shea at Trinity University was last year's recipient, just very innovative in terms of everything that he does, in terms of teaching um, and leading. Um, and uh, uh, Paige Powell at Virginia Commonwealth University, another place that you and I have visited uh, very frequently, someone I hired at the University of Memphis and now is at BCU, and someone who just gives everything she can to student development. Um, you, Quint, have made it possible uh, starting two years ago for us to honor teaching specifically. And that's the Quint Stooner Gratitude uh, Prize for Teaching Excellence in Healthcare Management. And we are really grateful for that. Uh, the first uh, award winner, a, a great colleague of mine and yours, Karen Wager from the Medical University of South Carolina, where I earned my MHA long, long time ago. Uh, Karen, just a wonderful teacher, someone who's, who's nurtured students uh, tremendously. Last year, Amy Landry, from UAB, uh, who also directed the UAB program, but who, you know, if you ask any student for UAB who one of their favorite faculties are, who they learned a lot from, and who was always interested in their success, it would be Amy Landry. Um, something else we've been able to do, and you've supported we'll this. Talk as about well. this year's winner from Missouri. Yeah, oh, abso- absolutely. So this year's winner for the Studer Prize uh, is Sue Boren, who is amazing and. Uh, Really excited about that. We get to honor Sue uh, in June uh, in Tampa. And as soon as soon as uh, serves the program director for the MHA program at Mizzou as well, someone I've known a very long time, she was so excited about the honor. Uh, and particularly, I think, since it's named in your honor. Uh, the Thompson Prize this year is going to Kimberly Ennard, the program director at St. Louis University, uh, also a fabulous uh, colleague and, and a member of the AUPHA board right now. Uh, the Fowlerman Prize, the, which again is the most prestigious prize, the sort of senior level career prize, hasn't been announced yet uh, for this year. But well, yeah, so stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. We also now have uh, four teaching awards uh, in health policy and health management and leadership in uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and in medical group practice that are all sponsored by different partners that we have. But the original gift that you gave us, Quint, allowed us um, to expedite that process. And so by this past year, we were supposed to have one teaching award already, uh, and we have four already. So, um, yeah. Well, and anyone who wants to donate to AUPHA can and sponsor, and I think it's a good a, a good thing. And as we wrap up here again, if you know a faculty member, if you want more, you're more interested in this whole concept. I've been really blessed. Years ago, I was asked to be on the board of AUPHA, and um, I was, and I enjoyed it. I met some great colleagues. I've been able to, again, um, you know, I do a lot of programs. If a MA, I've never said no. If a school calls me and says, can you do a Zoom class? Can you do this? I always say yes. Um, and it's because I've always get way more than the, the students get. It's been always really a lot of fun. So, so Dan, I want to thank you because I think AUPG has always been a good organization, but I think you've made it a great organization. And I know you won't want to admit that um but you really have because i've seen it over the years for a long long time and you really put it on um really steroids in a positive way i think and your energy is unbelievable 
I mean, your energy, you, you get to do this every week and you're somewhere in some program and they, they love seeing you. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how can they contact you? So first, thank you, Quint, for that. And I can say thank you confidently because you taught me to do that. So, uh, yes, we're surrounded by a great team, but I love my work and I'm passionate about it. Uh, people just email me. Uh, everything is on the AUPHA website. I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. The email is D-G-E-N-T-R-Y, dgentry at AUPHA.org. My mobile telephone number is on the AUPHA website as well. So I'm very accessible and would love to hear from any of your colleagues out there, Quinn. Yeah, and for someone that's, that's you know, maybe not been involved at the AUPHA, um, I would really encourage you to become involved, I think, as a member, even if you just want to be supportive. They do great work, and these faculty. The other thing is faculty members are always looking for practitioners, and don't think that you've got to have a PhD or a master's or a bachelor's to walk into a classroom and bring value. Years ago, I caught a summer program. And really, all I did every week was bring in a practitioner, and they loved it. And so if any of you are interested in finding out about programs in your area, um, talk to Dan or just contact the program directly because they're always looking for practitioners. And it's not like you have to teach a whole course. If you come in for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, I've got something coming up with George Washington University here coming up, I think, in the next right after the first of the year that they just um, read a book, my busy leader handbook, and they wanted to just talk about the you know career, how to develop your career. So everyone can be a teacher and everyone is a teacher. And Dan Gentry, you know, I love you. And thank you so much for being on the Healthcare Plus podcast. Thank you, Quint, for having me. I, I love you, too. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Plus podcast hosted by Quint Studer and Dan Collard. For more free resources and to access latest books, articles, and industry insights, visit www.healthcareplussg.com. Plus, for a limited time, visit our website to download a free copy of Rewiring Excellence written by Quint Studer and Dan Collard. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue the journey to make healthcare better for caregivers, patients, and communities.